0: um not gonna totally spoil it but we do have an upcoming interview with uh michael gray uh, i was chatting to him about his new book and stuff and his work there at the association of there in ontario so that was quite interesting um yeah that plus working for most of today putting together the big rab show awards oh, which, of course yeah oh man you've no idea how long it takes to put together yeah <laughs> but You're uh yeah that, that was my saturday yeah, that's it. And each one has to be counted and carefully gone through and oh, checked and rechecked. Get and,
1: people get upset. People get Oh, totally. <laughs> it's, a <serious> it's crazy.
0: <laughs> this stupid thing that we started is a bit of fun. We yeah, thought you ever regret it's, it? It's tongue-in-cheek. We thought it would be a laugh. And yeah, oh, we regret it every year. You know, every time we open the nominations and the volume of emails that comes in. Yeah. Oh, my word. Everyone who has a beard, everyone who ever blew pipes, you know, all gets nominated and they all have to be counted and verified it's crazy
1: do you have a category that's consistently like the hottest category like where you get the most nominations or people get the most upset
0: yes we do uh uh definitely the beard yeah best beard it's so funny that it's up there (laughs) yeah it's one of the most popular ones and one of the hardest fought um whenever the actual piping season was happening we had a lot of you know categories like you know best dressed band mm. coolest drums and th- those would have been quite competitive you know bands would have liked to have seen you know the coolest bass drum and stuff you know sure. and they won a rab show award uh, but this time around because of the pandemic and stuff we're seeing its uh prizes like best social media mm. and best new book bu- new book or music collection you know things like that so beard. we've, we've seen mean, a bit of a
1: focused on their beards quite a bit over the pandemic so
0: oh definitely yeah a lot of people have had time to grow them in you see yeah
1: i hope my buddy matt biggs makes it on the board he's been working <laughs> on his beard pretty hard
0: i see that's i know people who purposely groom themselves to try and win <laughs> this award you know so uh it's crazy but i know last year andy fusco from uh the channel yeah. Round pod uh he managed to pick up the title last year and uh who knows? Will he be back again to defend it this year? I don't yeah. know. I'll I've have been to find out. for him
1: for a while, so I was happy to hear he got it last year. That's good. <laughs> now you're, 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 the big Rab show website, Rab, does mention that you mm-hmm. have this hidden talent of being able to talk. And then of course, you know, after talking through sort of the many shows that you're running right now, maybe it's not so much a hidden talent, right?
0: Not so much now. No, that's this for is, sure.
1: But this is what you're doing on your weekend as well. Do you ever get tired of it?
0: Uh I'll be honest, there is sometimes where it's a bit of a grind Yeah. Uh, the guys on the show kind of, you know, the show team, all the guys that work in the back, back mm-hmm. room, they kind of laugh about it um, because we all work together and producing content for the show. Like, it's mm-hmm. not just me, like where you have a whole team of guys producing the stuff, but I'm the face of it. So mm-hmm. I kind of have to put the message out there that's kind of, here you go, Rob, you're talking about this, this week, here you go. And then I like, go. oh, can someone else not do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to sit with my feet up and watch Netflix. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a labor of love sometimes. And uh, this past week was a fine example of that. So, I, again, apologies for my croaky voice, but I, <coughs> I'm oh, yeah, just getting over a cold. I, yeah,
1: I got worried about you. I listened to the episode Wednesday and I thought, oh, no. I'd, well, yeah. I sent you that message. I was like, you know, you need some time. Take it, man, you know
0: it was brutal yeah on wednesday i woke up wednesday morning i didn't have a voice and i thought oh my god that's the worst thing that could happen someone who yeah, works for, in radio for a you man know in
1: your line of work that's a-
0: it was horrible uh luckily the night before i managed to do all my work for the bbc on tuesday night so i was fine but on wednesday that's podcast day yeah so i was absolutely panicking so i was i don't know honey hot lemon everything i could do mm-hmm. to try and bring my voice back and, uh, yeah, I had to get one of the guys out of the team, Aaron McElwain. He actually read the news for me this week. Yeah. You know, it's a bit of a team effort, and it's he, nights like that where you just got wish. a pleasant
1: ah. voice, you know, so it's, at least he's nice. He to has. To.
0: He has. He's the voice of our weekly drone, and I, I can't see that feature being any other way without him, you know? No,
1: it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of your other shows, Rab, now, I... I'd mm. like to ask you. I've got a lot of questions I'd like to ask you. I can't imagine sure. that anybody listening right now doesn't, of course, already know who you are. But I think probably most oh, of us don't know. mostly listen to the Big Rab show, the podcast, right?
0: Sure, you, sure, yeah. You've
1: been doing the Fuse FM show. Now, did that start before the podcast and then the podcast it kind did. of was born from it?
0: The the show itself started out on Fuse initially, and it's coming up on 10 years now. Actually, we've been doing Fuse FM, uh, which started out as a bit of, uh, you know, we were invited down and said, Hey, do you want to do a show? And I thought, OK, well, I'll do a show on bagpipes. And then initially they said, No, oh, who no, wants no. to listen? Who wants to listen to a radio oh, yeah, show about pipes? <laughs> And so I says, "Well, that's okay. That's fine." And so I walked away. And then again, I got the phone call saying, "Hi, come on down. We'll give this a go and see how it runs." And uh, yeah, went down, done my first show, and I've been there ever since. And that was nearly ten years ago now. Yeah. So it started out on Fuse. We do two hours worth of live radio here in a local community radio station around a town called Ballymoney in Northern Ireland. It's one of my and favorite then,
1: things to say, Ballymoney.
0: Balamona. Yeah, yeah, that's a great town name, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. That's it. So and then what we found actually after like 4 maybe 4 4 or 5 years we found that a lot of people were missing it, uh especially international folks who because of the time difference weren't able to tune in. Oh, sure it being
1: live. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So we thought we have to do something to try and let people catch up because you know they're, you're missing all the news and updates and such and then had the brainchild well then give them something that you guys can download at any time Mm -hmm. of course podcast is the answer so uh, we toyed with the idea and then we contacted you know we put the, the word out saying hi we want to launch a podcast will there be any sponsors out there that want to help us with this idea because podcasting ain't cheap james i'm sure you know that um so yeah we put the word out and every company that we had thought might contact us all said no mm. and the only one that took the chance with us was g1 reads and said hey we think this is a cracking idea why not here you go we'll we'll pay your internet bill for a year and we'll see how it runs and they've been with us from day one
1: well and good for them because i mean you've got some listenership and it's exactly mm. their target audience so good on oh, g1 for sure reads for, for foreseeing something that would prove to be real good for them in terms you of know,
0: at the time, I really can't stress this enough, that it was such a gamble for them, you know, because yeah. at that time, piping podcasts weren't as big as they are now, and we kind of blazed our own trail, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. because oh, uh, a weekly a weekly piping podcast at that time, there was some mm-hmm. initially, I think there was like The, the Beer Tent, and there was uh, mm-hmm. some other ones that were just by the piping center, but they were sporadic. Uh, but this right. was the first one producing a weekly news show, and... uh The way we sold it to the G1, I said, look, we're going to slap your logo on everything we possibly can. Mm, (laughs) And we're going to give you a good shout at the start of the show and everything. And at the end as well. And they were more than happy with that. They said, look, Rob, whatever you want, just go for it. So they they took the gamble with us. And, um, yeah, thankfully, it's been a great working relationship with them since the start. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then you also, was it recently that you started this Kintra show with BBC? BBC or has uh, been the around
0: BBC, for a BBC, uh, well, thankfully, due to the success of uh, our show on Fuse, that drew a lot of attention here locally in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. It's quite a popular show here in NI, Northern Ireland. And uh, there'd be a lot of people locally who tune into that show. And as a result of what was going on in Fuse, the BBC started to take notice. And uh, then, obviously, with the launch of the podcast and everything, the BBC folks thought, well, hi, this is growing of its own accord here. And uh, they were thinking of revamping their own Ulster Scots content. Uh, So, you know, community kind of culture, language, music and history and all that sort of stuff. The BBC loved that kind of content and they were trying to reflect it more in their output. So they thought, hi, why not reach out to this guy, Rob? He knows a bit about, you know, scottish culture and music yeah, and all that stuff got
1: his finger on the pulse he's in the middle yeah of
0: it so hi yeah. hey, honestly when i got the phone call no word of a lie i thought it was a joke i thought someone <laughs> was tick- <laughs> ticking the hand out and thought no nah. hey this is somebody from bbc do you want to come and do a show for us I said, nah, yeah dead yeah, on <laughs> yeah yeah so i hung up the phone and i thought hung up on him. i did i, I thought oh, <laughs> shut up you're you're, no wise up <laughs> thought it was a joke and then i started phoning me mates and i says uh hey did you you'd organize like a prank call for me, you know, yeah. for some of the people. And they were like, No, no, that wasn't me. So I then sheepishly had to do the, the redial and ring them back and go, <laughs> hi, it's me again. Uh, are you sure that wasn't a joke? Because I kind of hung up on you and yeah. said, no, honestly, it's not a joke. So talk about embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was called down to Broadcasting House and the BBC, spoke to all the execs and the producers and stuff. And I was very much a rabbit in the headlights. I had no clue what I was mm-hmm. doing. Um, But they said to me, he says, look, you don't have to be a professional broadcaster guy like all these folks sitting around you who are paid X amount of pounds Mm -hmm. to do it. You know what I mean? Um, We want you because you know what you're doing in the piping world. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly my focus still. So, yeah, show one in Kintra was like a couple of years ago now. Mm -hmm. And it's been rolling ever since. It's been really interesting.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And, I, and I'm, I'm only I'm only very, very happy for you, Rab, because your voice, I'm sure you mm. get this a lot, right? But your voice has been a constant in my life for a long time now. I'm glad it's being recognized. And you know, that it's expanding in these different ways and stuff. It's exciting to imagine what, what the show and what you're going to do in the future as well.
0: No, oh, thank you yeah i appreciate that and it's it's weird whenever people say that to me you know like, yeah, oh, i listen true. to you every yeah. week right yeah like what really yeah i'm sitting here in my garage and there's four walls and a computer screen no one listens to me why's yeah. up
1: this this guy you know? from
0: from northern ireland
1: speaking yeah. of which you know i i hope you'll forgive my my very like you know middle of the continent american ignorance here but like what little Mm -hmm. I understand of the division between Northern Ireland and Ireland, the history between the Ulster region, et cetera, is basically what I can get from dairy girls, (laughs) which is, which is great. You know, like I I sure (laughs) enjoyed that show, but I don't, is it Ulster is Ulster all of Northern Ireland or just a good chunk of it? Or does Ulster is, does the Ulster region expand beyond the Northern Ireland border See that's
0: a it's it's a mm, it's a difficult one and it's a political one as well. Uh, The the Ulster region includes counties such as Donegal, uh, Connaught, and Drogheda and places like that, Um, but they are not within the six counties of Northern Ireland, but mix up Northern Ireland, so. Yeah, Northern Ireland is one thing. Ulster is another. But a lot of, a lot of people in conversation refer to Northern Ireland as Ulster. Mm. So there's like, there's it's a, 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 amount it's of a weird one.
1: Geographically, but it's not exactly the same thing.
0: Uh, yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I see. Well, it's, it's very interesting. I hope you don't your mind. Geography. geography lesson. Yeah. This is something that, like, <coughs> it's maybe very boring, but, like, I couldn't help just looking around a bit. Because your, your name being Rab, honestly, I'd been listening to your mm. show for a while before I realized that that was short for Robert.
0: Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah. But I only.
1: Like over here, I only ever hear Rob or Bob, right? I'd never really thought. Yeah. Rab, you know.
0: Um, I do find a lot of folks from the States do call me Rob, or yeah. they they can't pronounce the ab, the rab, but right, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. But yeah, it's because obviously my family have Scottish connections and Robert always got shortened down to rab or rabby. So yeah. yeah, I got rab and I only ever get Robert my full title if I'm in it up to my neck. If I'm yeah, in trouble, that's when trouble. I get my full title. <laughs> so yeah, if my wife is shouting my full name, I'm for it. <laughs>
1: But well, you're you are you are a um, I mean speak you know being a guy who's living in Northern Ireland and all you 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 come mm-hmm. from the local stock. I was um, oh, yeah. spurred on by the figuring out what rab meant i also yeah, i hope this isn't weird yeah. rab i was looking at your what the i really like words i, I the part of sure. the reason i like tolkien so much is because i get real excited about just sort of philology etymology things like that right mm-hmm. and uh lennox that it looks like that's a comes from a gaelic word that has something to do with elm trees and then it's got the uh mm-hmm. that uh, sort of geographical suffix that ah at the end
0: it Does indeed. If anything, the Lennox family actually come from Scotland. Yeah. We're from the Dumbartonshire area, yeah. uh, where we were actual like Scottish royalty back in the clan days, uh-huh. um, before the English king and did all his monkey business up there. Uh, and a lot of the Lennoxes actually came across because it's a very short stretch of water, you know. They would come across from Scotland to Ireland quite frequently, and a lot of Lennoxes settled in Northern Ireland to get out of Scotland. Basically, is that and, the time uh, period so,
1: from which we get that phrase Ulster Scots? That, yeah, that exactly. Right mm-hmm.
0: there, that's it. Indeed, so the connection between the two countries is, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's such a short space of mm-hmm. water. You know, yeah. you're talking you two, or three hours by there, boat. Yeah. yeah, and you're there. So that's what we talk about on Kindra. We talk about that Ulster Scots connection mm-hmm. between Ulster, Northern Ireland, and Scotland, and. uh yeah, my connection obviously is with my family, family history and heritage, but also with my connection to the music. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so that's so a recommend.
1: Tell me all about that. You you started playing when you were young, what eight nine years old?
0: Uh, yeah, I would have started even younger, but my father told me not to. <laughs> really?
1: And so, how how does it all start? Take me back as far as <coughs> you want to. Did, did your parents play? You had uncles who played, aunts and grandmas. Like, yeah. What was the what, what, how you get uh, how'd you get to where you are and what you're doing?
0: But my story is not unique, though, for folks here in Northern Ireland. Um, but, yeah, for it's, it's one of those things. Whenever a baby is born, you check its fingers. As soon as it comes out, you know, that the baby's only a few minutes old. You're checking the hands yeah, because yeah. the first thing you're looking for, if it's got short, stumpy fingers, that's going to be a drummer. If it's got long, elongated fingers, that's a piper. You know, doesn't matter. Uh, really? So that's even... Great. Even before you've had your first bottle or nappy change, you're already a drummer and a piper. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I've come from generations and generations of pipers and drummers, drum majors, and it's all I heard through childhood. You know, stories about bands going to compete and winning the world some coming back home with a trophy. You know, I didn't have many bedtime stories that weren't about, Oh, do you remember the time we went on the boat over to Scotland and we went and we played at such a competition and it rained all yeah. day and then we came home. So, you know, that was the kind of world I grew up in, surrounded with the music, because we were constantly run the band practice. Yeah. And it was just inevitable. And then there was a bit of a family battle, actually, for my own circumstance. I had two uncles who were drummers, and my father was a piper. And my dad kept wanting to make me lift the chanter. Mm. And... uh No, all my uncles kept buying me drum pads and drumsticks and my dad kept hiding them then in the house. (laughs) So dad, I can't find my sticks. Oh, that's okay. I found this chanter for you. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, I think there was one fateful age that um, I found my aunt's tenor drum and of course I didn't have a pair of sticks to hit it with and uh, I had 78th on LP. That shows you how long ago it was. So I put the record on, and I sat in the living room with my aunt's tenor drum in the middle of the room, and I was just hitting it with my hands. And then mm-hmm. I seen, oh, there's that chanter dad got for me. Oh, great. And hey, look, it separates into two pieces. Uh, yeah, They're two drumsticks. <laughs> so then I started wailing away on this thing with uh, you know two halves of a chanter. So you can imagine my aunt was very well impressed with that. But um,
1: well, but if she was rooting for you to be a drummer, I mean, what, yeah. what better clear indication that a person has a, a preference then that they turn a practice chanter into drumsticks.
0: <laughs> exactly exactly and this was you know this, yeah it was one of those moments where people just well maybe we're going to stop trying to push him into the pipes you know <laughs> my dad for god love him forever was trying to teach me how to play scales and stuff and i just yeah. wasn't having it um but yeah it took to the drum like duck to water yeah. and like i said i could have started much younger um maybe seven or eight but i was always told no, nine is the magic age. Mm-hmm. Never put a set of sticks in your hand or whatever until you hit nine mm-hmm. because apparently you develop so many bad habits. Mm-hmm. But, uh, hey, that was back then. Things have changed now. You yeah. know, kids are replaying even younger now.
1: Mm-hmm. And well, too. It's, it's scary yeah. how well some of these very young people play. That's crazy. Just about to hang my yeah. pipes up on the wall and forget about competing.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, But you um, you were young enough that... Do you feel like your interest in drumming wasn't entirely an interest in drumming? There was no sort of like rebellion element where like your dad wanted you to play pipes, So you're like, oh, show him. I'm going to play drums well, instead.
0: Yeah, I think there was a bit of that yeah. in there, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really wanted to make a go at the drumming because he always said, you know, well, you know, we'll give you a year or two on the snare or the tenor or whatever and see how you go. And if it's not working out, then you'll maybe try this pipe and lark, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought, uh-huh, yeah, OK, so. Whenever I was nine, people don't believe me, but at nine I started out in tenor in grade two. Um, Where'd go? I know, and b- looking back on it now, I couldn't I believe it. You must you have know? had
1: real good drummer fingers, right? Were they real, real stubby? Ones, I must, right? I
0: must have done, yeah, real stumpy fingers. Um, but yeah, I started out in grade two at age nine. Spent two, two, three years on tenor, and then eventually graduated onto snare. Uh, whenever I was in double figures, like eleven or twelve. Yeah. And again, computer for a few seasons in grade two with various different bands um, local to me here and uh, the rest is history, man. It's, I, yeah, I've played in plenty of bands, all grades. I know you came um, over
1: to Texas not long ago.
0: Yeah, and over to Texas. And that, that's, yeah. that's what I was going to say. That was my first experience, actually, of piping and drumming in the States. Mm-hmm. Man, what an experience.
1: Mm. I mean, it's different, that's for sure. I mean, not not that I know personally, right? I'm not I'm not where you are, but just hearing you talk about like actually having mm. access to bagpipe music, ha- knowing other people who play pipes and drums, uh, like hearing mm. it live as well. As under- this is that's a foreign world to me. Right. Like where yeah. I'm at, you kind of have to you have to really want it and hunt for it. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: That's what I find, you know. I, I'm talking to people at Stone Mountain, like this was a huge occasion for them, you know, to be meeting with fellow pipers and drummers. Never mind to be able to compete against them yeah. and stuff, yeah. you know, and just to be able to stand and talk to the guys awake and then stand to someone else and chat to the Atlanta Pipe Band, you know, t- chatting to different bands doesn't happen very often yeah. in the states. And uh, but over here, it's something we really take for granted. It's in the water. Like, just today, actually, I was at a phone a station, you know, gas station, filling up my car, and someone comes over and says, hey, Rab, I hear the bands are getting back together again and, you know, working for the winter and all, you know. Some random guy I've yeah. never met before, and he just comes over and starts talking about pipe bands to me because he, he recognized me <laughs> as being that piping guy.
1: Yeah, and, and he's in the world too, right? That's, I feel like, Rab, that's, it, that's yeah. part of why your show is so well-loved is just that, I mean, I'm sure there, there are plenty of reasons why it's well-loved, right? But for me, where I'm at geographically, you know, Mm. I feel like for myself personally, probably for a lot of other people who are similarly far flung from Northern Ireland, right? It Mm. still is important to us or matters to us or does something for us because it takes what can be a somewhat lonely uh, interest or hobby and makes one feel like, nah, we are many, you know, we're, we're a community, you know, there's lots of stuff going on all the time, not just, you know, two competitions per summer, if you're lucky, you know?
0: no exactly and that's one thing i really have taken for granted i thought honestly i would be recording this thing in my garage talking away to myself and no one would listen and <laughs> then what i found is that there's a huge huge world out there full of pipers and drummers and we have kind of acted like a bit of a not a dating service that's the wrong word but we have kept people together and connected i
1: can see that yeah. Do you know what i mean absolutely
0: yeah Like one of our biggest things that we've ran over the past, well, previous years, back in 2017, 2018, um, was the matchmaking service, Mm -hmm. uh, where we try to get people married up with bands, you know, so they want to start playing again. They don't know where to go to. And so we were getting messages from bands looking players and players looking bands. So we would just spend a lot of time matching folks up, you know? Yeah. So keeping folk connected. And yeah, that's been very much a focus of ours over the years. You know, we found... We're not just talking to the the Northern Ireland folks, or the UK folks, but we're now branching out and looking more worldwide, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That's mm. been interesting. <laughs>
1: you, now, you, you, Rab, you, you, it's, I mean, you, you can't remember a time that you weren't aware of the piping and drumming scene, right? Like, this no, has just never. been a part of your life all along. Um Yeah. You, do you still have like a day job? <laughs> you know?
0: I do. Yeah, I have a a mortgage and a car payment right, and all so of that to take stuff. Care of all that stuff. So what, exactly, what, just so like, like everyone else. What else do you do? <laughs>
1: you know, like what else is taking up your time and your energy?
0: Well, I do have a 9 to 5 day job. I do work for the the local Northern Ireland government. Um so I'm civil servants.
1: Are you allowed to so, tell us what exactly you do or will you have to kill uh, me if you do?
0: Well, there's nothing like that. And that's just that's a very glamorous administrative Job, you know, mm-hmm. that's spreadsheets and word documents all day. It's great. Mm. Uh, so yeah, other than that, my day job pays the bills and gets in my nine to five. All the rest of my time, it's all spent on BBC and Big Rab Show. Yeah.
1: Do you get any time to play music yourself?
0: Uh, very rarely. Um, I have been taking piping lessons uh, oh, with right. Andrew Shilliday, uh member of the Rab Show team. But it started out as a bit of a joke and is now all of a sudden getting very serious because apparently I'm making suitable uh, ways forward, and uh, he's now talking about me possibly competing next year.
1: I would love to hear that, Rav. I'm like,
0: so. what? He's serious? Yeah. So, yeah, he, he is serious, and Andrew is the kind of guy, he has the patience of an absolute saint mm-hmm. uh, because I'm a drummer learning how to pipe, so God love him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he said, you know, I'm making... Enough headway on the pipes and stuff that I actually may well step into the circle with the band playing pipes, which honestly would put a huge smile on my dad's face, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, kind of like I you told don't mind you
1: me so. Asking. Is, he, uh, is he still around? <laughs> is he aware of this? Or?
0: Oh, he is. He's well yeah. aware of it. And uh, here's me practicing most evenings. And uh, sees fit to ring me after every practice session and say what the hell was that you were trying to play that was terrible
1: uh, he's keeping you humble huh if, if oh, definitely. Tells you you're doing a good job your dad will make sure you know you're not doing that great oh
0: 100 <laughs> he said your blowing was off your d was flat uh, come on and you put a bit more tip on that g and yeah you know, okay dad right yeah mm-hmm. is he
1: is you gonna, it, well, to is he gonna for... pick up a pair of sticks is he gonna start learning <laughs> some snare
0: ah oh, do you know i should do that actually good Oh, man, that, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah, All like, right, hey, smart arse, you know here's what? a pair of sticks. Yeah, exactly. Tell him you'll go compete, you know, this <laughs>
1: next season
0: if he'll, uh, he'll start start tapping away. Oh, that'd be amazing, yeah. Uh, God, well, see, my dad is the type of fella, he was offered pipe major roles in different bands, but he's always turned them down because oh, yeah. uh, he never wanted that role of responsibility. The highest up the ranks he ever got to was pipe sergeant, and that... Put him in charge of the tuning but yeah. that was it that's about as high as he wanted to go yeah. um, so quite a humble fella and i suppose i've kind of inherited a lot of that yeah. from him i don't like speaking of myself too highly if i'm honest you know i do hear a lot of folks saying oh your show's brilliant and we all love it it's great but i'm constantly listening to podcasts and other shows and i'm thinking my show's a load of dung compared to that <laughs> and i could, I could do so, so much better you know um, so even you know, with listening to your, yourself and droning on, the like cure pods are brilliant. Yeah. These long-form conversations, <laughs> Oh, seriously. But the, the the fact of the matter is that you're able to chat to your guest over a longer period of time. It's an actual conversation. Whereas with me, it's more of an interview. You yeah, know, I'm asking they're, questions, they're answers. Different
1: animals, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, for sure. I love that. You know, it has its own energy. And then even the guys at Chandler ran. as much as I hate to admit it, <laughs> their show is brilliant too.
1: It's a very you know, different energy, isn't
0: it? A completely different <laughs> uh, energy, I'm a, yeah. I'm a
1: diehard fan though. I'll tell you what, when I started listening to them, they already mm. had like over 100 episodes.
0: And oh, I, right, I yeah.
1: listened through all of their back material in mm. the course of like, less than two months just oh, wow i had a long commute at the time for the work i was doing and it was just yeah. back to back 2x speed josh and andy nonstop the whole time oh, wow and i think i maybe broke my brain a little bit honestly that's i'm a, maybe still recovering
0: yeah you might have needed a hot shower after that <laughs> <That's> yeah <funny>. <laughs> <laughs> but no those guys they're, they're completely irreverent and that's you know it's what we need as well yeah. it's refreshing sometimes you it know is, yeah. So yeah, I I'm a huge fan of those guys, you know. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. I'm listening to other shows, you know, and I'm thinking, god, you know, that's so good. And uh yeah, we'll have to do what we can to try and produce something as equally entertaining. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, listen, Rab, you are the king and as far and you don't have to believe me, you know, you and you don't have to say it, I'll say it. You know, everybody <laughs> loves your show. And the thing is, one of the things that really just impresses me to, to no end is that you have been so open to these new little shows popping up anywhere that you know when the when the pod band pipe cast yeah. popped up you were one of the very first supporters you hopped right in there mm. with the channel guys you've been very kind to me you just like there's no sense of like there it, it, it's not like you have this attitude that there's a limited a limited amount of potential success in the world you're all about no. cheering oh. others on and and it it's part of your totally. personality that I think, is part of what makes people like listening to you as well.
0: Oh, for sure. Do you know, another 50 podcasts about piping could start tomorrow, and I would be a fan of every one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a huge scene. And I and honestly, my opinion is the more people talking about it, the better, because that that's putting the voice out there. Mm-hmm. And the more people hear about what we do, the more people will want to take it up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The more players, the more potential for great music, all the more enjoyment. Why the heck would I start getting on my soapbox and telling people, don't you dare launch a podcast? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that's competition and, you know, we want to be number one. No, that's absolute nonsense. Yeah. You know, there's no possible way we could be number one at all uh, in a huge, big world full of podcasts. But, uh, yeah, I'm all for it, man. And as I say, I've been enjoying your pod. You know, I say, these long form conversations are an absolute gift i love these these are brilliant
1: well you know i was telling uh jeremy kingsbury of the we too twag uh bagpipes and history podcast uh that like Mm in all honesty the long-form conversation is just so much easier for me because you know like Mm. i can just ask a question and then you get to make the episode whereas like what (laughs) he does with his show there's a lot of prep there's a lot of research and and recording and preparation what you do with your show there's so much like news to pull in and then those inner there there, there there's so many segments to every episode of your show you know like just Mm. honestly even the channel guys put in more work than i do
0: (laughs) (laughs) no that's the, the I don't know. The preparation for each one of our episode, it is, yeah, it is a labor of love. We do plan like six, seven episodes in advance. um, And we do mostly record our interviews over weekends as well, because I work at nine to five Mm -hmm. and I work for BBC through the week. So there is so many hours in the day. Um, But obviously, whenever there's big things happening, like World's Week or Piping Live or anything huge like that, uh, obviously we'll work a plan for that. And we haven't mentioned anything to do with the live streaming and stuff that we would do of course, at yeah. events which yeah. is a huge undertaking yeah. that has taken years off my life and stress uh- <laughs> i'll tell you
1: what though that's one of the greatest gifts that you and your team have given to the world though being speaking of being like you know a people in diaspora as it were you know pipers yeah. and all over the world being able to listen in to those kinds of events that are happening right there in your neighborhood it just it really uh, is uh, it's something w- i remember when we didn't have that you know just not that many years ago mm. and uh it's a big it's a big deal
0: it's invaluable really um but you know for people who are infirm or in bad health and just can't travel to the event yeah. that live locally and for you guys that live internationally this is the only access you'll get to see the yeah. british championships the scottish the europeans you know otherwise there'd be no content online anywhere and we've said it from day one we're doing it because no one else is and that's it mm. um in my honest opinion i've already went on record and saying this i think the associations who run these competitions should be doing this mm-hmm. whenever you look at australia and new zealand and their national championships and their live streaming content that they bring from those oh my god it's incredible yeah. it's an entire day's worth of content and you really could just sit quality, and multiple cameras, it's incredible
1: microphones everything yeah.
0: Yeah, the, you know, that high definition, yeah. you know, sound and images and you have commentary through the day. And it's just brilliant. And it's, you know, we honestly couldn't hold a candle to it with us mm-hmm. on our cell phones standing in the lash and rain trying to film Field Marshal. Um, it's still <laughs> something though, you know. It's, it's, it's so, something, it's exactly. Fine. Yeah, so we do it. we can, you know, we've, we've got a Patreon there and we're, we're doing what we can to kind of invest in new equipment and stuff. So we've got new cameras, new mics and stuff and all of that and um dan COVID hit and, and hey there we go we're back yeah. to square one well but uh yeah
1: don't please don't hesitate to plug anything rab and i'll be happy to put links into the show notes as well like i say i think anybody listening oh. already knows who you are and what you do but um yeah absolutely feel yeah. free to plug you know your patreon page the, no
0: thanks there, well, well sorry about that i kind of dropped that in there without no, I thinking think you meant to, um, but
1: I, I meant to tell you at the start no. i forgot to just Go on. Oh, I
0: see. Okay, cool. Um, well, as I say, yeah, so we try to invest in our live streaming infrastructure and we're trying to plan for events that are coming up. Uh, we've done a little bit of live streaming this year, not much because there's been limited events. We've got another one that's coming up in November, actually, uh, that we've been invited to. So that that's actually starting to happen now. People mm-hmm. are inviting us to come to things to deliberately live stream them whereas before we were kind of trying to sneak in (laughs) we did we we got kicked out of some places um specifically i think it was the ulster solos yeah um they put a big notice in their program and anyone wearing a big rab show shirt or a hoodie was was asked what are they doing (laughs) and why are you here are you filming today and you know they were like almost harassed and stuff yeah. is really aggressive. And yeah. so we were like, okay, yeah, no filming. That's fine. And obviously the backlash that happened after that was insane. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, I think we called it hashtag #StreamGate, uh, yeah. where our, yeah. our association yeah. stopped us from streaming anything. And, uh, it was horrible. I've never been so stressed out in my life. I've had people call to my door. Phone was ringing all the time. Um, because obviously, we were you know providing this as best we could, but we couldn't provide it because yeah. the folks who were on the events made the rules. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, very long story short, but over a couple of weeks after that, there was a series of negotiations and phone calls. And uh, eventually, an understanding was reached. And we were able to live stream certain events from the rest of the year. And uh, yeah, as far as next season goes, 2022, we don't know how it's going to run yeah. and that's quite a scary prospect whenever you consider the amount of competitions that's ahead of us all the majors the minors concerts and such it's, yeah it's a bit daunting
1: yeah yeah and as, as you talk about all of this all the all the work that goes into it Rab, what mm. where where's you said your wife is patient and she must be because she's still she's stuck with you this far with all the <laughs> time that you're putting into all of this but what yeah. how does she come into this scene did, did she grow up in the same area does she also have piping and drumming family is this was this new to her when she met you
0: completely new to her when she met me really um yeah um, she actually met me through my high school and she knew me as a drummer uh, because in high school i played drum kit on the side as well as playing on pipe bands
1: what kind of like um, a, like concert band like rock and roll like what kind of stuff yeah yeah work? well
0: everything i played concert band in school obviously for like a school orchestra type sure. of deal but also played in a few rock bands and stuff locally and played gigs and pubs and clubs and stuff and uh yeah that's kind of how i met her and she always thought i was this kit drummer this bit of a weird musician guy that yeah, yeah. always turned up everywhere where there was a gig yeah. Um. so yeah the pipe band thing was a little weird for her to begin with she didn't yeah. understand it and she thought well what is this and then i kind of introduced her to the whole culture of heading out to band practice two or three nights a week and then competition on a Saturday and she stuck with me. If anything, mm-hmm. uh, whenever I first got handed uh, a leading drummer role, the band I was with needed tenor drummers. So I was like, hey, come on, you're now a tenor drummer, you're yeah. coming to ba- band practice anyway, here's a set of tenor sticks. Yeah. So yeah, she played a season with the band I was with at the time at the Quinn and then I think that was it. She lasted about one season and mm-hmm. uh, didn't want to continue. So, uh, But, yeah, she's well aware of what a and a drumming is and just how all-consuming it can be. So did, and, did uh, the two
1: of you go to the same school or was it just you about the same age in the same area?
0: Yeah, uh, we went to the same school, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, I don't know, kind of childhood sweethearts, I suppose. Yeah, we beautiful. met whenever we were teenagers, yeah. you know. I uh, suppose, in a way, that means that she can be very long-suffering. You know, she, <laughs> she knows <laughs> she knows me well enough she by knows me now. really well. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's that's how my wife and I are too. We met real young. And so like at this point, there's nothing she doesn't know about me. So
0: yeah, exactly. I'm just in the same boat. Yeah.
1: yeah. Now, now what I don't mean to drill in too much about it, but I'm curious, like what, what hmm. was the scene when you were a teenager drumming around? Like, were you, were you kind of doing some punk stuff? Or were you into the ska stuff? Or, you know, like, you um, on covers, writing <laughs> originals? What kind of stuff? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, the kid, kid drumming—I uh, played in so many different bands. I yeah. played for musical productions and stuff. Um, you know, for like of blood brothers and like different Broadway musicals, like Grease, things yeah. like that. I played on a lot of those because uh, I got a like a college kind of qualification in drumming theory and stuff.
1: Ah, so you were kind of like a like a mercenary drummer out for hire.
0: Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Because at that time, drummers who read music didn't really exist They're in Northern Ireland. There wasn't that <laughs> yeah. many of them. Uh, so because
1: and I know music theory, that's, like, that's you're it. You're so a unicorn.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, but exactly. So I could turn up to a band practice, someone would hand me sheet music, leave me for 10 minutes, and I will come back and I would will have it You'd know what off. To do. You know, I'd know what to do. Yeah. So yeah, I played for various jazz and swing bands and big bands, and things like that. And then I actually went and studied music for a couple of years. And I started out totally rebellious, and I thought, hey, I had enough of this old jazz music and swing and stuff. I'm gonna go for an indie rock band because at that time Britpop was very big. You know Oasis and Blur and Radiohead bands like yeah, that. Band. So we kind of emulated those and kind of wrote our own stuff and we were kind of blazing our own trail. Hey, we're gonna make it. Of course, we never did. And then I went from that, which I thought was, nah, the music we were playing was get a bit melancholy, a bit moody. So I thought, I want something a bit more aggressive, because I'm a teenager after all, mm-hmm. full of hormones and alcohol. Let's play some metal. Hey, so
1: if you're not going from, uh, like, from moody to aggressive, then you're not a yeah. teenager, right? That, just, exactly. that tracks perfectly.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if anything, at the time, I was in grade two playing with the Quinn, Quinn Memorial, and I was having a lot of trouble playing Swiss roughs. Uh, like my lead tipper, every time it came to a certain score, I think it was the Strasway actually for the MSR. I could not play this. Like, he had like a run of like two or three Swiss roughs all in a row. Drummers out there will kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I
1: don't. I don't. What is this? Like I know of flams, diddles, paradiddles. What's a Swiss rough?
0: A uh, Swiss rough is it's a a right hand two on the left, one on the right, but it's phrased in a certain way that it's all open, so prep kind of a thing. Mm. Yeah, I exactly. maybe didn't describe that too well. But um, yeah, a Swiss rough is a rough, not crushed but played open and phrased with an accent, either the start or the end. And I couldn't play them. And I, oh, for the life of me, couldn't. And then I found the band Corn. Uh, they've got a piper. So I was listening to a lot of Corn. And it turned out that their drummer actually played a lot of Swiss roughs in one of their songs. So I thought, if I learn that song on Kit, that'll really help me for my pipe band playing. Of course, then someone in music college heard me playing a corn song. And they're like, hey, come on and join our metal band. Oh, very so nice. b- before we know it, I was playing, you know, kit for a metal band because I wanted to improve my pipe band drumming. So, yeah.
1: Did you have to grow your hair out for that? For that uh, no, I didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, no. That that was the time where uh, really big baggy trousers and oh, yeah, uh, a those, black those, T-shirt. Those
1: Jinko jeans.
0: There you go. Yeah, That's them. Man. Yeah, that was it. So, uh, yeah, I played a, few, a good few metal bands and stuff, and then I just I stopped all the kind of drum kit and drumming and just really focused on the pipe. And then after really?
1: that, is there any um, any, you know, grainy footage or old recordings out there in the in the deeper recesses of the. internet? Oh, there so is. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, there's nothing online. I don't think. Well, Thankfully, we gotta the fix Internet that, wasn't. We gotta fix that. Uh, no, I've, I've actually converted over some old stuff onto MP3 just to listen back to it. And some of it's hilarious, you know. Some of but, the songs are quite decent, too. Right, but...
1: now, now, listen, Rab, I'm not telling you how to do your thing, right? But if, you, <laughs> if you're not tempting enough people to join Patreon for special content yet, <laughs> let me just put in a plug, you know. Maybe, yeah. alert, you know, some recordings. Here's Rab playing Korn <laughs> 20 years there ago. There you go. Uh, I think there might be some people who have not yet, you know, uh, patronized who would begin to <laughs> provide their patronage at that point.
0: Yeah, that would be fun, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know; I'd either have a real positive reaction or the complete opposite. You're like, "What are you doing, you hey, dipstick?" The
1: reaction.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, um, but no, together. a lot of folks who listen to me on the radio and on podcasts and stuff don't realize that I'm actually a you know a drummer, a, you know, a musician of sorts. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks just think I'm like a, a commentator who has never really been involved in the scene. But I'm, you know, thankfully I'm kind of part of it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I'm well used to standing in that circle. I know exactly what it's like to have a judge standing behind you with a clipboard, you yeah. know? Well, and that's part of, Loads of experience.
1: experience. Com- your, 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 your commentary good is that you already, you know, you're, it's like when a, when a retired Olympic figure skater is doing <laughs> a commentary for figure skating, right? Rather than just a person who is being paid as a commentator. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: You they know what they're talking happen. about. Yeah. Exactly. So now as I was standing in Stone Mountain in two thousand and nineteen with water up over my ankles, that yeah, I could say to myself, Ah yeah, I'm still a part of this. Yeah. I'm here. Paying your dues. <laughs> <laughs> Proving your oh,
1: Yeah. So now if you had, you know, just money's no object, you've got the time, you <clears> know, <throat> um, you know, family's taken care of, house is taken care of, everything's fine. Mm hmm. Where would you, I you know, and you know maybe you'd invest your time in a lot of different things. But what do you feel like you'd really enjoy going to first? I mean, would you resurrect the kit? Would you start something oh, wow. new? What do you think you'd you'd be drawn to?
0: Oh, very good question. Honestly, my focus with the Big Rab Show this last while has been trying to broaden our horizons, even for folk here in the UK who can be very insular and looking inward. And I'm trying to broaden everyone's horizon by telling them, hey, look oh, what's going on in New Zealand right now. They have an incredible piping scene. And Australia, even Canada and the US. You know, I'm trying to open folks' eyes in the UK to kind of say, right, our piping scene here is great. And it's, you know, it is what it is. It's brilliant. But, hey, look around the world. They're equally as brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, if money was no object and all that stuff, honestly, international travel, um, Mm. I've been actually to attend more events internationally to draw folks' attention to it. Um, So, you know, I I was recently invited there to the Chicago Games. I've been told they're all sorts of awesome. I'd love to go to them. Mm. Um, Also, I've been invited down under, of course, for the Australian Nationals and the New Zealand Nationals. would love to get to either of those. And,. Yeah, it's just international travel, man, if I'm honest. Um, just to see piping and drumming in a different place from what I'm used to. Yeah. You know?
1: Am am I correct in kind of catching this sort of vibe that it recently you've also I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just my perception, but I feel like you've been talking more about the trad scene as well. Is that part of the same well, kind of push to broaden horizons, or am I just not reading that correctly? Maybe you've no, you're 100
0: percent right. Yeah, uh, because I think over the, especially over the pandemic, those guys are incredibly hard hit. Now, yeah. the bagpiping scene, specifically the competitive band scene, would draw a lot from the Celtic and folk music scene. You know, a lot of those guys would write tunes, play them in bars. And then someone in a pipe band would overhear it Mm -hmm. and think, oh, that could be a good opener or that Mm -hmm. could be a good jig to finish with. You know, and the two worlds kind of intermingle. Yeah. Um, But forever, I always thought that the Celtic and folk guys don't get enough credit for that. You know, they compose music all the time, which is absolutely blistering. And then the pipe band folks come along and say, hey. Thank you, Fred Morrison. We're going to have that hard drive. Thanks very much. And um, next thing you know, it's in a field marshal medley and everyone thinks, well, who wrote that? Oh, well, who cares? It sounds amazing, right. you know? So if I'm on the radio t- telling everyone, it's Fred Morrison who wrote that. And then more people look into Fred, hopefully buy his music mm-hmm. and support the guy. So yeah, over the course of the pandemic, these guys obviously have had their livelihoods shattered, yeah, you no know, gig. but no yeah, gigs, yeah absolutely nothing happening for them and the only thing that they could do is release music either recorded at home or like make a book or something so yeah it's kind of been my focus to, to try and help these guys um you know try and give them a bit of a voice you know as they were sitting at home locked behind closed doors yeah. you know hey, hi there's these amazing musicians here who are playing their heart and soul out you know why not go drop them a few quid and You'll get some incredible music yeah yeah
1: yeah you know, you've turned me on to some good music for sure just in the last few months so
0: yeah uh, I no, it. no you're very welcome and i found that actually with p- playing more kind of interesting music that folk wouldn't normally hear you know it's it's been a real joy actually yeah. discovering this, these things you know so I, yeah yeah,
1: i like i like hearing people have the con- people who know more than i do you know speaking of like jeremy kingsbury for example that that mm. hearing people talk about hearing folks talk about kind of like um you know to some to to a large degree, of course, there are new things being generated in sort of the piping and traditional music scene, yeah, but there are a lot of things that are kind of being dug up and rediscovered that at least I personally never knew about, you know, and so to me, it's like brand mm-hmm. new and then you find out, oh, this is actually you know a 400 year old tune right you know this is the way pipes <laughs> used to be played before the regimental style came in you know and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's kind of this rediscovery process as well it's a lot of fun.
0: oh definitely and if anything quite an interesting character in the pipe and scene dan evans mm-hmm. uh we had dan on the show a while ago talking about his new book uh shameless plug for him uh p is for everyone P-Bruck is for everyone
1: yeah I, and I, uh ordering uh, my copy is... later
0: today. Yeah, yeah honestly man it's really opened my so eyes to a world shirt, right? yeah you can yeah yeah but it's opened my eyes to a world of music that I never really fully appreciated. You know, the Glymphitic comes around every year. You watch it for what it is. Piper, stand up there, play a 20 minute Peabrook, and you're like,
1: come on. You wake up at the end and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it. Like, wow, what was that? But yeah. now you haven't read that book and you understand the history of it, the, the structure of these tunes, and wow. Yeah, I can't wait for Glymphitic this year just to see if some of the tunes Dan talks about. So, yeah, all these old, ancient things getting brought to the fore, I'm all for it. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun.
1: Now, when you're listening to music recreationally, Rab, uh, I'm sure Mm -hmm. that some of your listening is in preparation for your show because you're going to be interviewing people who made music, so you want to listen to their record, that kind of thing. But um, if you're you're not listening to pipe music, right – be it mm-hmm. competitive bands or or trad stuff. What else do you listen yeah. to? I mean, are you still listening to corn a lot? Like, what what are you into right now? What's on your uh, uh, what, what do you shuffle?
0: Oh wow, non piping related.
1: Maybe there's nothing. I mean, tell me if that's the case. Um,
0: I listen to a lot of trad and a, a serious amount of it. Mm-hmm. Nearly probably an unhealthy amount of it because mm-hmm. honestly, it's, it's a huge deal here in Ireland specifically. Yeah, serious amount of Irish musicians. Um. But you know, whenever I go out there, people say that my musical tastes is kind of like someone with uh, a bad case of Tourette.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> you know, where you could suddenly be listening to Frank Sinatra in one breath, and then suddenly you break into I don't know, disturbed or yeah. you know, Slayer <laughs> or Cradle of Filth, and then you know, and, and, and I have and a then very it's
1: P. all of a sudden. <laughs>
0: yeah, like it's a P. Brock, and then you're listening to a bit of uh, Bach, and then yeah. Strauss comes in there, and and then all of a sudden you're back to the the Beach Boys yeah, and yeah. the Beatles and I'd, anything, man, that, that's good, in my opinion. The, this last while I've been listening to a band called The Midnight. The Midnight. The Midnight. I absolutely love them and because it, it's part of a new wave of old wave music, if you know what I mean. It's called retro wave
1: <laughs> I'm pulling them up We're, right now. Is, this, is the retro kind of like an 80s synth kind of thing? Exactly.
0: That's it. And that, it's, uh. it's been really nostalgic for me because their music sounds a lot like the music I grew up with on the radio, you know? Um, oh. Where, yeah, it's very 80s. The guy's voice is incredible, and I really enjoy them. Yeah. But it's a world away from piping. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, But speaking of sort of like piping in the trad scene and stuff, where you grew up <clears> in sort of a piping and drumming family, was that yes. exclusively competitive piping and drumming or did you like like was Seamus Ennis your your great great uncle like did you know like illin pipers fiddlers uh you know bowron um, players you know was it kind of all over
0: well just as much as I'm talking about listening to music outside of the piping scene you know as us as a family we always had the records, the LPs, all the recordings and whatnot. And it was on the radio too here locally as well. Uh, Piping and drumming, competitive bands, solo piping, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. If you were gonna branch out from that, then you were looking at bands like the Tannehill Weavers, the Dubliners, you know, other sort of traditional bands here locally. And then if you really wanted to push the boat out, then you delved into the world of pop music and rock music. Mm -hmm. You know, like bands like U2 obviously were huge here things like that. Uh, but yeah, normally on the stereo at home, it would have been banned and yeah. that's it. It's all we ever talked about, it's all we ever wanted to talk about, you know?
1: <laughs> it's a fun thing for me to imagine like young, young Rab, like um, sort of like discovering popular music, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where like most people yeah. have exactly the opposite experience, you know?
0: I, I know, it's weird. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, I always remember the story of how I discovered Phil Collins
1: yeah um
0: you know that intro in, in the air tonight that do doon do 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 that one there yeah. i heard that intro and i said 78th play that
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, i said 78th play that in their tenor line yeah you, you and, you said, uh, you said
1: father got a great whoever whatever band this is has a great tenor line
0: Sometimes. yeah i said no the 70th play that in a certain set and sure enough me and my dad then both sat down and threw all the lps and we found it and they do oh
1: now you so, know where phil Collins copied that drum see, from
0: there you go <laughs> du-dun, du-dun, du-dun. i was the 70th did that great, <laughs> yeah. so i had to ask so who is this pop star guy who he ripped them off yeah phil i'm sure Collins, it would, might that? yeah it might well have been the other way around but hey I, I didn't know oh, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
1: now it, am i keeping you too long rab or can i hit you with a few more questions
0: oh no you're okay <clears throat> just like again i'm still recovering from a cold yeah, so i just had to sneeze there yeah pardon between,
1: me between your time just that you're giving it to me and also the fact that you i know you're recovering from a cold i just don't want to take too much so
0: no at all, man talk away no i've i've penciled myself in here for a couple of hours you're grand
1: now you're very kind what's what's the deal with the cheese question rab <laughs> Wait, did you also grow up in a house where you tried a lot of exotic cheese? Oh, uh,
0: the cheese that- question. Oh, man. We had a whole bunch of real, like really random, mad questions that we used to ask people just to throw them off. Yeah. You know? And uh, <laughs> the cheese question is one that stuck. Yeah. Um, we used to ask questions like, uh, have you ever drove a tractor? That was another one. Yeah. Uh, well, hello there, Bill Livingston. Have you ever drove a tractor? And as you can imagine, Bill's reaction to that would be, who are you, you cretin? Go away. <laughs> you know, um, so I find certain questions work and certain questions don't. Uh, yeah. The food one is universal. Everyone loves food. So, of course, if the other like cheese, or you don't. Yeah. So the cheese one's stuck uh there was all i think there was what was the first time we ever met fred morrison we asked him uh what kind of shampoo does he use
1: <laughs> he does have great hair so it's a reasonable he has question. amazing hair
0: <laughs> so we thought hey this could be a question we'll ask everyone you know that yeah what kind of shampoo do you use yeah and then we thought now nah, there's some guys out there who are bald and might not <laughs> use shampoo so yeah you know, we, we used to love throwing these in, you know, yeah. because whenever we, we first started out, you know, everyone didn't really know whether to take us serious or not, just yeah. how hard hitting would we be. So they were very guarded, you know, very careful with what they had to say, thinking that we were going to try and trip them up and make them say something controversial or yeah. would get them into trouble or their band into trouble, you know. Yeah. So I'm certainly not in that business You know, I understand the piping world well enough That there are certain things that you just don't say
1: Yeah
0: And there's certain topics you don't talk about mm. um, But, you know, I'm not in the business of tripping anyone up So yeah. the, the cheese question was always an icebreaker yeah. You know I kind of let people know the level of where the show was at It's almost as if you meet someone for the first time And then you start talking about fart jokes yep. You know, I don't yep. care who yep. you are But fart, farts are always funny
1: they're always yeah. funny and everybody knows about them so you don't exactly. have to worry about explaining it
0: and exactly i don't know i don't care who you are you could be richard parks alan tully a fart joke's a fart joke and that's yeah. funny <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. so it's a great leveler i always use the cheese question as an icebreaker kind of thing but now more so now we're bringing it towards the end of the as right. a bit of fun and a bit yeah. of crack Uh, Because people now, thankfully, now over the years have kind of gotten used to what we do and that we're not in the business of getting people in trouble. You know, we're not deliberately setting out to trip them up or make them look foolish in any way. We're trying to help support them and their message and what they're trying to do, but also to pick their brain and get Mm -hmm. some more information out of them that folks would find useful, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah so it, I the cheese question stuck <laughs>
1: it, it, it stuck around what, what about the pineapple on pizza thing
0: yeah that had, yeah that one hasn't stuck as much because uh there's been some folk that says well you know i can't eat wheat and i can't eat mm-hmm. dough or pizza at all so i've never tried it okay, uh, so, you might,
1: do you mind if i take that one then rab can i have that one
0: hey go for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was
1: just, it just it was really fun i don't know if you're aware that like uh, pineapple on pizza is yeah. one of is a very popular topping here in Utah, and it's, oh, really? it's also it's I believe it's statistically the most popular pizza topping in the Dakotas here in the United States as well, oh, which is wow. where my dad grew up. And so for me, you guys are savages. Yeah, for me, pineapple on pizza that's what I ate before I ever ate pepperoni on pizza. Right, like that's oh, wow, that's pizza to me. Right, and so
0: that's insane.
1: I, the thing is, I, my, when I was getting ready to start this podcast, my wife was helping me come up with some questions, you know, and she's mm-hmm. like, what's some quirky questions? Like, what does Rab do? You know, cause she knows that I listen yeah. to your show a lot. And I was like, well, you ask people what their favorite cheese is all the time. She's like, oh, okay. Just ask them something about food. Like, uh, do they like pineapple on pizza? I was like, all right, I'll ask him that question.
0: See, there I'm not you joking.
1: Go. Rab that week, the episode <laughs> that you came out with, you asked somebody if they, how they felt about pineapple on pizza. I was like, well, now I can't do it. <laughs> Rav already did it. I can't do oh, it. Now.
0: <laughs> there you go. No, go for it, man. No, we don't have any patent pending on any yeah. of those or copyright. No, go for it, man. Yeah. No, that's but fun. no, it's, we always kind of use things like that that you know that connect people yeah. to people. You know, yeah. food's a, a big thing. Always, obviously, if you're on the ground somewhere and you know you can point at things. Look at that dog over there. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know things like that that can connect you and the person and the place. That really helps yeah. and uh, sometimes when you're recording interviews remotely as we are now it's difficult you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. it's hard to build a rapport with, with someone especially people who are up in the top flight and are seen as this respected figure and perhaps are being very guarded about what they're saying sure yeah you know you ask them the question that was well how did you feel that your band played today and you get a one word answer and like, yeah good <laughs> You're like, well, give me something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So,
1: or you ask a yeah. question, you just get a yes or a no in response.
0: <laughs> oh, it's horrible. I've been there many, many times, and you, you know do the have interview the gift
1: though, Rab. You make them work, so good on you.
0: Well, do, do you have to, do you know, because <laughs> otherwise the two of yous are standing there like two lemons, you know. Yeah. So now there has been a few interviews over the years where it has been one word answers. I'm not going to name names, uh, but yeah, the atmosphere was it was thick. You yeah, know, yeah. and uh, then obviously whenever the person realized, oh crap, that's Rab, and yep, that was recorded, yeah, that's going to be in the pod this week. And then sure enough, they listen to it and say, hey Rab, you know, I was a bit of an arse to you, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I had a tough t- 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 day that day, I didn't mean to be rough to you. And yeah. I- <laughs> so it's happened more times than enough, And uh, but I always try and walk people th- through their anger. Yes, I understand <laughs> you had a bad run or you're having a bad day, oh, but yeah. you know. Yeah, let's have a bit of a laugh here. Yeah, let's talk just, about cheese.
1: Yeah, talk about cheese, there you go.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Now, are you, um, like, to what degree do you feel like, so like it's clear to me that, like, you were kind of born into the piping and drumming. Yeah, very to, much so. To what degree do you feel like you were born into the gift of gab, right? Like, talking, Oof. interviewing people, asking questions, explaining things. Like, do you love to teach? Do you love to ask people? Like, what? where is this coming from? Is it biology? Mm. Were you in a certain debate class when you were a kid? What do you think that part of no, your no, personality
0: comes no, from? No, nothing like that. Well, I think my mum uh, is a great talker. Uh, she's a bit of a writer, too. Would write a lot of poetry and stuff and prose and things. And uh, yeah, my gift of the gab was, I think, because of a basic lack of intelligence in, in huh. school. <laughs> in school, I wasn't very academic. I'm not great when it comes to subjects like maths and chemistry and things yeah. like that. And I was always able to talk my way around a certain thing. You know what I mean? So I was always, I always had that gift to be able to talk to people, Um, no matter who the person was. You know, it could have been the headmaster, it could have been the teacher, it wouldn't matter who. Um, But the interviewing thing, honestly, has been a skill that I've had to learn over the years. Do you know what I mean? like i first got involved in radio completely by accident by being invited in to fuse fm for an interview mm-hmm. uh, the band i was playing with at the time we were launching an album and you know typical band full of musicians nobody wanted to talk they all wanted right. to look at the floor and and then of course i got the job said rob you're good at talking go up there and tell them about the cd and I said, okay right. So I got the job then and the guy was asking me questions and stuff and I found me and him got on quite well and we're chatting away for the guts of a two-hour radio show and then at the end of it he says you know you're quite good at talking you know I kind of laughed at him I said yeah yeah so everyone tells me <laughs> but they said yeah why don't you come on and do a show and stuff yeah and then that's when it started then I said well okay the only thing I know is piping and drumming and that's when the no came <laughs> Right, right. That's, yeah. But yeah, you know, whenever I was on stage playing at gigs and pubs and bars and stuff, I was always the guy that filled the in-between spaces, You'd
1: chat to the crowd and all that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know, the guitar player would either take a swig of beer, tune his guitar, or something, chat to his girlfriend, and I'm, you know, rab filled for five minutes. Yeah. So I would get up there and just talk absolute nonsense. Yeah. You know, I, even now I can't remember what the heck I said on stage. Um, but yeah, being able to talk publicly was always something that never bothered me. Yeah. Um But the whole interviewing thing is a different skill set altogether. I can talk away to myself quite happily, me and my screen here talking on a podcast every week, thinking no one listens. But whenever I have a guest on, it's a completely different dynamic because Mm -hmm. I'm having to really kind of, I have to think from the other person's perspective, Mm -hmm. I have to think that the person I have on is on the show for a reason. They're there either to promote a certain band, or product, and an album or whatever it is that they're trying to promote. So the questions that I try to ask that person is everything is aimed towards promoting the person and what they're doing. Yeah. So that's exactly where my focus has been. I think I've learned it okay. Uh, with my experience in BBC, I've kind of learned uh, a very valuable lesson and that's just to shut the hell up and let the person talk. Uh, which very is a
1: company there, of course. I mean, BBC being responsible for some great interviews over the uh, oh, how many, amazing. many decades? Are we hitting centuries now that they've been around?
0: <laughs> oh, that for sure. I have no idea. Yeah. But that's one of the biggest lessons I learned mm-hmm. in Kintra is, Rob, I remember the first kind of critic I ever got that was, Rob, your interviews are great and all, I said, but we didn't really get the story. I said, well, why? Well, we got the story. We were talking all about whatever it was. And I said, yeah, but you started asking the guy about his shoes and then his car, and then you start asking the guy about where he got his jacket from, and then did he know such and such, he lived next door to him. and You know, I was talking about everything else, Mm. apart from what I should have been talking about. So if I learned just to ask the question, and then shut the hell up.
1: Just let him do the talking.
0: (laughs) So I know I'm I'm taking over your show, I'm slabbering here like an idiot. That's
1: that's exactly what it's supposed to be, because right now you are the interviewee, right?
0: Which is even—it's a weird juxtaposition, you know. Yeah, I'm used to being weird, in, right? you in your shoes, yeah. yeah. So no, that's—I'm used to asking the question and then sitting back, you know, and then making sure that I'm listening, listening as well, because I know a lot of folks who interview, and uh, they get the answer and they just go, "Mm-hmm," and here's your next question.
1: Right? You know, the, yeah. Just go down the, the list.
0: Exactly. They're, they're just reading bullet points. They're not interviewing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: That's, that's so, one of the best criticisms that I've got so far. And, you know, I still have to work to not do that. But my buddy it's Swan pointed that out for me that, yeah, I've got this. It is questions. difficult. I don't yeah. have to get the questions. Just talk to the person.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's it, it, a difficult skill to have for sure. But. Do, you,
1: do you feel like you're drawn to um, like entertainment forms that that match this sort of ability to speak? Like, do you really enjoy um, stand up comedy? Is there a certain kind of um, especially with your mom being a bit of a writer? You know, have you enjoyed mm. reading poetry yourself or hearing people read it? You know, is the spoken yeah. word something that brings you? entertainment in a in a similar way that music does or is it definitely definitely
0: yeah i think for sure i'm a huge audiophile like i listen to a very unhealthy amount of podcasts Mm. and radio shows and stuff but that's been with me since the 80s because let's face it in the 80s there was nothing else to do Mm. other than than to listen to stuff the internet wasn't a thing the tv was crap you only had like four channels Mm -hmm. and your dad just wanted to watch the sport all the time anyway so so yeah audio is a huge deal for me and yeah stand-up comedy long-form conversations like podcasts audiobooks things like that i could get so invested in the conversation and lose myself in the moment you know and i do think that a lot of the people who are extremely gifted with wordsmithing and stuff can really carry you on a journey and it's one of those things, you know. I'm a huge fan of it for sure. I don't think it gets quite the credit it deserves in the media world. You know, whenever someone hears that you work in radio, they kind of think, oh, well, you're a failed TV presenter." <laughs> right. You that's know, what you
1: did because you couldn't get to do what you really wanted to do, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. And if anything, I'm I'm getting this a lot now at the moment. with I've been on the BBC on Kintra now for quite a number of years, and people people keep asking me, "Well, when are you going to be going on TV?" Mm. I don't wanna go on T V. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got the face for radio, man. Have you seen this? Yeah. <laughs>
1: very handsome man, Rav. Come on. The, uh, no, the not only at all. piece well, not the only piece now, but the very first piece of chanterant merch that I purchased was the Rabbi the Pooh T shirt.
0: Ah, oh, no way. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've got one. That's that's epic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, that I have no plans for TV at all. Uh, if it comes around you know, I'll look at it. No problem. But uh No, for me, where it's at, radio has always been the focus of mine, and podcasting, for sure. I really enjoy podcasts. I'm a huge fan of them, you know?
1: Yeah, and maybe I'm digging too hard at it right now, Rab, but I'm just curious, like, it's, I wonder if I'm, if what I'm imagining is kind of like, you know, you, in your formative years, sort of getting this sort of, like, Mm. input about music, maybe strongly from your father, and maybe, did your mother read to you a lot, being somebody who...
0: Um, well, she wouldn't have read to me a lot, yeah. but she definitely would have encouraged me to look more at books because yeah. she knew how academically crap I was. Uh, and she really yeah. certainly pushed me at school. You know, She really certainly yeah. helped in my lessons, making sure I'd done my homework and my study and all that. And then, because my dad was always whisking me away to practice, mm-hmm. you know? He's like, ah, sure you can learn about French next week. Come on, yeah, we've got band practice. Homework, yeah. Exactly, and we have a competition on Saturday. Who cares right. about trigonometry, you know? About uh, so about we
1: got stuff to
0: do. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Um, so, yeah, my mother was always kind of, you know, looking at various different books, and it got me semi-interested in the written words. Uh, but I say semi-interested. Yeah. You know, I could certainly sit and read a book, no problem, as long as it's on a topic that I'm interested right. in.
1: about Peebrook, for example.
0: Exactly, like Dan Nevins' <laughs> book I read within two, three days. Yeah. It was brilliant. Um, but if I'm not interested, I just won't read it, you know?
1: So what do, you feel like I, what do you feel like you are, if, you, if you're comfortable talking about it, what do you feel like you mm. are passing on in terms of sort of like a set of values or focuses or passions mm. to your own kids? Or maybe what yeah. would you like to pass on to them? Like, are you also <laughs> like, are they also being brought up in the piping and drumming world or like, you know, what, yeah. what's, what's important to you to pass along to the next generation?
0: Oh, that's a great question, man, and it's something, honestly, my wife and I have been talking about for a while, um, because my daughter did start out learning at bagpipes, and uh, she was getting doing quite well, but she, again, found them incredibly difficult, and she did want to focus more on her studies with school and everything mm-hmm. instead of piping. So, But I obviously, being the pushy dad, I was like, oh, come on, you have, you know, you have like four or five road tunes off, come on, you'll be in the band yeah. if you learn another two here. Um, so i was push 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 and then i think the more i pushed at it the more reluctant she was to lift them so it
1: does happen doesn't it
0: (laughs) it does happen so i've stood back now and i thought well okay if you want to lift those pipes on your own accord then so be it Mm -hmm. so yeah Uh, but i think the legacy issue uh, my kids are surrounded with piping drumming all the time you know constantly in the kitchen or the you know. The lounge or whatever, blasting out music and stuff all the time, constantly listening to things, reading about bands, musicians, talking to my wife about it too. So the kids are surrounded with all of this. Mm. Uh, famously, I took my daughter to a competition here a couple of years ago, and uh, she decided to hang out with me for the day. You know, to hear bands that I wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, so she says, "Right, Dad. Okay, I'm getting into this piping lark. You show me some bands that are a good example of you know what I should be aiming for." Yeah. So we went. We listened to Field Marshall. You know, a couple of Grade One bands are here, and uh, yeah, she absolutely hated it because the <laughs> entire day I spent my time. You know, you walk three feet and then you stop. You have a conversation with someone, shake hands, take a selfie, oh, course, and then yeah. you walk another three feet, shake hands, say hi, take a selfie. And I didn't realize it, you know, that I was doing it until my daughter pointed it out to me She yeah. said do you know how annoying it is to go to a competition with you
1: yeah, look, <laughs> she's got it, she's got a good point rab i mean if people recognize you just on the street and in the shop i mean go to it's a competition g- yeah. that's like that's like christian bale going to a batman convention like you you're gonna get yeah. stopped a lot
0: that's that's one thing i honestly didn't appreciate you know and even i think even now in school she's still getting ashton is your dad big rab oh wow yeah and even our my son who's at primary school and he's you know quite proudly boasting to his mates my dad's big rab
1: he doesn't go you know. by little rab himself no
0: <laughs> <laughs> no so he's got his own big rab show hoodie and stuff and he wears it you know proudly and all the rest oh, yeah. so that's kind of awesome um but, but yeah enjoy my, my, it
1: while it lasts right he'll uh, well that's it you know eventually yeah exactly
0: <laughs> yeah. when he turns teenager he'll not want to know me that's right but I think the the overall thing that I want to instill in my own kids is a sense of pride in their own culture. Yeah. Um, It's a big deal here in Northern Ireland at the moment, having your own sense of identity and having a a culture and a history that you can hang your hat on, Mm. you know, because for the longest time it's been inappropriate to talk about your own particular background, because if you mentioned it in a certain place at a wrong time you could have got a a kicking or a gun pointed at you or you know all sorts of craziness through the troubles so for the longest time i was always taught you know never mention bands or piping when you're out you know mention it at home when you're with us when you're safe but whenever you're out and around because there's during the 80s and 90s when the troubles were still going people were still shooting and bombing all over the place and uh yeah you know you didn't really want to talk about you know, your favorite music or your culture or where you're from, anything like that, because it identified you yeah. and possibly made you a target, yeah. you know? So now, very much, I want the opposite for my kids. I want them to be able to go out and tell, tell people, say, hey, do you know, I'm a fan of Field Marshall, Inverary, St. Lawrence. I love these guys. They're great. You should listen to them too, yeah. you know? And thankfully, that's what my kids do.
1: <laughs> Is, and it's so, like, I mean, like I, I did, you know, somewhat jokingly, but really, talk earlier about how like what little i know about northern ireland the troubles the whole situation Mm. there is based off of shows like dairy girls some a few movies here and there right so like Mm -hmm. it's and which often make light of it right that's often comedies that i'm drawn to anyway of course i know the song by the cranberries zombie right that's Mm -hmm. that's a heavier one but um bit of an anthem yeah i mean at this point (laughs) like what can you wear orange or green any day you want like what kind of uh is, you it, can. is it better or are you still a little tentative about this
0: stuff? Still a little tentative, man, if I'm honest. There is a piece, but it's a shaky piece. Do you know what I mean? Um, where you wouldn't proudly walk down the street, you know, wearing your orange or green or whatever you decide to wear because, mm. again, it singles you out mm. and it identifies you. Do you know? We are in peacetime. My kids are growing up now learning about the troubles in school. You know and in their that, history that, that class. history
1: class is that funny for you to be like wait a minute this is my life it
0: can't be history it's so weird you know because my daughter was coming she said to me she says dad do you remember army checkpoints and stuff and getting searched and that's yeah <laughs> of course you did and it's oh wow we learned that in school today that you had to do all that wow yeah that was part of everyday life and um you well, know isn't it's, that
1: wonderful though then to be able to think to yourself that she only knows about this through a history book and isn't literally ah uh, totally
0: totally yeah so of course she wants to learn more and more and more so she's constantly annoying us about it you know (laughs) yeah because in our hometown there's been quite a few bombs quite a few murders and stuff and uh quite tragic history actually uh but she's fascinated she thinks this is a great thing to learn about nah let the past be the past you know move on but no she wants to learn all about (laughs) you
1: know it's interesting you know i don't i don't mean to draw inappropriate parallels you know between um different Mm. different experiences of suffering and things like that but it does. I, I wonder if it resonates with you at all to think about the experience of, for example, soldiers coming back from World War I, where mm, yeah. um, very little information, at least my impression, as far as I can understand it, it was difficult mm-hmm. to get firsthand information from the people who were actually there because yeah. it was so difficult. They would much rather, many of them would prefer to say, let the past be the past, let's not talk. 100%. About it. Hundred percent. It, it, it like took a whole yeah. generation before you could start writing books and doing research and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. You know, as a kid of the '80s, you know, I grew up with all of that. I remember soldiers running through my front garden and stuff, and saying good morning to them, and all of that on my way to school. You know, it was just normal life here, and like, I, I'm not unique. Everyone in Northern Ireland experienced this. You know, I'm not just saying, oh, you know, I had a terrible time. It wasn't a terrible time. It was just life. You know like programs like that the dairy girls and stuff and mm-hmm. you hear the tv on in the background saying, oh there's another car bomb today and they all laugh about it oh flip sick, where's where's that that's very very true that's what it was like mm-hmm. you know when you heard the news story on the tv oh there's a bomb on a certain bridge and then i think it's the mum she gives off oh, how am i going to get to the hairdressers now
1: right, she's upset about the commute or something
0: yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it was like honestly i've never seen anything more accurate no. <laughs> so yeah it's a very interesting dynamic for a legacy to be leaving behind for my kids is just to be proud of their own heritage and their their culture where they're able to tell their friends hey i love piping and drumming and stuff and i love all of the history and culture that goes with it because i wasn't able to kind of enjoy it like that when i was a kid you know? Do you
1: feel like that sort of healthy kind of pride is valuable in a sort of healing process for yourself and people uh, your own age, as well as like maybe yeah. maybe to be able to feel that way yourself, but maybe even more so to see it in your own kids in the next generation?
0: Definitely, definitely. And if anything, I've, I've learned that recently. Um, whereas before you know having cross community relations you know having mates who were like the other side of the divide would never have happened in the 80s and 90s Mm. um now it's commonplace and you know we're constantly hearing stories of kids just sharing stories of where they were at the weekend you know so they were at you know a competition or something and they're telling all their buddies or they were at something else that ordinarily you would never talk about before we are starting to see communities Mixing and kind of sharing their experiences together, and it's yeah, it's mm. definitely to be encouraged. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Well, again, I, I don't, I don't mean to, you know, draw inappropriate parallels between suffering, but I can't help think about, um, like the Rwandan genocide, where, um, you mm. know, it, it's, it's a different experience to what I've personally experienced, right? Because if, if I could ever, if they, if I could point to any who anybody who in my own lifetime has ever been any kind of military enemy. For me, right, they're not my neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. It's people from across the world, you know, and so like the situation far away somewhere, yeah, right. And so like the the healing after the Rwandan conflict, right, where it's like these were neighbors Mm. and cousins and aunts and uncles. I just that's it. It's so hard to imagine being there in Northern Ireland and like you know within your living memory having it be not people who are easily identifiable, who you know, like just from looking at them that they're different from you, right um, yeah, not, yeah. not people from a different land, right. It's people who have the same claim on the dirt as you do, who, whose ancestors grew up mm-hmm. with your ancestors. You all look the same. You all speak the same language. Like so much is shared to then have that kind of conflict. It's uh that sounds complicated.
0: It's a bit of a head melter for sure. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, exactly what I'm talking about, you know, to give this next generation a sense of pride of who they are and where they came from. And that they're allowed to be who they are, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that they shouldn't have to hide it, you know. And in this new land of peace, that's exactly what it's about. It's, mm. you know, it's a sense of tolerance, I suppose, you know, that you're embracing your own culture as well as everyone else's. Yeah. And I suppose that's that's what it's about, Yeah. Oh, this conversation went down a road didn't it you know Rep, talking, from I, talking about cheese to <laughs> talking about the troubles and stuff
1: well you t- tell me if you how you feel about it i'm thinking that that might have just been the most beautiful place to end it just end it with the a, a note on tolerance and you know peace and uh yeah
0: if anything I, i've kind of drew a lot of experience from the piping scene in yeah. that regard you know um, i've said it like a hundred times on the show and i mean it you know, to the, the depths of my heart, is that the piping world is a huge family mm. that's international. And no matter where you are on the planet, there's someone who knows someone who plays in a pipe band, mm-hmm. you know, and or knows someone who's ever played pipes before or used to be a drummer. It's truly, truly international. I'll never forget coming home from Stone Mountain. We were in Atlanta airport, both me and the guy I was with, uh, Winston, we were both flew over there. We were flying home and i thought oh crap i didn't get a souvenir for the kids so stopped at like a little gift shop and stuff getting them a teddy bear or a, or a football or something
1: yeah one of those one of those airport 40 teddy bears right
0: <laughs> exactly yeah which were insane i couldn't believe the price yeah. of them but anyway i was standing there and of course you know i had my rab show hood on and i was standing shopping away and a guy comes over taps me on the shoulder and he says hey i heard you went pretty well at stone mountain at the weekend yeah uh who who are you yeah oh i'm just just, you know i'm just a fan of the the podcast and stuff it's nice to meet you now i have no idea who that guy was yeah where he came from just completely out of the blue you know but it shows you even standing at the middle of atlanta that you think you know we're as far away from piping and drumming as possible at this Mm -hmm. point there's still someone who's connected to the piping scene it was great you know so yeah that's kind of my you know my overarching thought on everything that we do in the rab show is we're a huge big piping family at the moment our job in the rab show is to try and keep the family connected and together yeah as as we get through all of this covid nonsense and then hopefully get back on the grass again and do what we love yeah
1: Mm -hmm. well i think that you are doing a great job of it i really even if if you had not brought it up that's already something that i would have independently thought to myself what is valuable about this show it's exactly that it's a connection it's a catalyst for connection
0: ah oh, thanks man i appreciate that I find it, that's kind of reassuring that it means we're doing something right yeah <laughs>